everyone. Welcome to MJT Law and the Lawcast. This is Mr. D. Santana, Chris D. Santana, yes. and my name's Melanie Thorley, and we're both solicitors at MJT Law. And we're back for another week here we at the Lawcast. And I thought I'd kick us off with a couple of cases uh, this week. We know that, you know, coming out of, we've got a new um, <laughs> fe- federal. Uh, Labor government instead Labor of government. coalition. We've just come off the back of a job summit. We know that we industrial relations, whether good or bad, is going to be more in the headlines. This is um, right. And, and we've been we've been talking about changes for mm. some time now. We're getting more into the to, to the quick and dirty of it. So Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I suppose for everyone out there, um, I think it's probably important for us to outline that um, Employment and industrial relations are slightly different, although for the, the wider world, it's probably all seems like the same. Um, employment's more in relation to individuals, and I think in industrial relations, a little bit more okay. collective. Yeah, we can we can make some distinctions there, I think. Mm. And the couple of cases I have here are firstly going to be some very familiar names involved, um, but also I'm going to call them the industrial relations gone wrong oh oh is this a little bit like chris's commission crazies yes just on industrial relations area i'm I'm, I'm interested to see what happens so the first case uh is involving some very familiar names as i said Uh, it's a cfmu against um sorry it's actually the um C against the cfmu and hutchies Hutchinson Proprietary Limited. So, uh, I think they've renamed themselves from Hutchins to to, to Hutches, Hutch, right? Yeah. Or something. Well, I'm, I mean, their company name is still the same. Yes, but, of course. Sorry. The rebranding so, of Hutchins. So this particular case is, is involving something that for people in the know, we know happens quite mm. often, okay. Okay. Um, but is quite unlawful. <laughs> um, so what, what happened on this particular case was... I'm going to just got stuck on them, Hutchies. Okay, Hutchies, um, Hutchies. Uh, so Hutchies, uh, they engage a plumbing subcontractor to oh, yes. work on their, on their, their oh, site. Oh, I think I it's know quite, this... It's quite a, um, quite a big contract. I think I know where this is going. And it subsequently comes to light before, after signing that agreement, but before works begin, that this subcontractor doesn't have an enterprise agreement and specifically an enterprise agreement negotiated with the CFMEU who um, there doesn't seem to be any um, challenge that they had, you know, they were allowed to be involved in that particular site. And the CFMEU gets on the phone with uh, Hutchies and says um, that they, they threatened industrial action and that they were quote, going to make life very tough mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for Hutchies on this particular site if they allowed this subcontractor to, um, or subcontractor comp, sort of company to work on the site. Yeah. So none of this is, um, none of this is controversial. It's all in evidence. It's all in evidence. And, um, uh, it's all, it's all public. Yeah. And there probably would have been emails and things like that, which, think, which it's came fair, probably a fair amount of evidence. And it's interesting that it's the, the, the claim is brought against these, the two of them mm. by the HCCC on the basis that it's on not only is it unlawful in in a fair work it's anti-competitive yes because you are essentially forcing um but hang on you I don't think you said the rest of it so we've got this we've got this um plumber mm. who's joined the troops mm. by contract doesn't have a CFMMEU um uh 
Enterprise. Oh, yeah, we're going to say Enterprise Agreement, but that doesn't really, that's not really what it is. It's the CFMMU weren't involved in any kind of bargaining with this plumber. Yep. So the CFMMU has gone to Hutchies and said, hmm, there's going to be trouble, guys. And then... And then Hutchies not wanting any type of issues. And remembering that these particular parties, not only do they have to keep a good relationship between the two of them, on that site, but they would deal with each other on yeah. 50 sites, so 60 for, sites. For those, of you, for those of you who are not in the construction industry, you probably have seen hutches, um, you know, flags, material, building sites all over the place here in Australia. I'm not sure how broad they are mm. overseas. But we're talking about two massive organisations. Um, there's, there's this huge union, mm. um, and it's a huge conglomerated mm. union, and we've talked about them trying mm. to get out mm. before. And we've got this huge construction company, which is almost, um, you know, we, we've, in Australia, it's probably, if, if, we've, if we've got a big three or a big four, it's going to be part of those guys. Yep. Um, so we've got two big, big companies chatting to each other about whether or not they should allow this plumbing company yep. and, um, uh, part of the, a ticket to play. And the... Uh, the court found that they there was a coercion there, um, and because of that, the CFME, uh, the uh, Hutchies cancelled that contract, and subsequently got a, a different contractor. That's in, right. They got rid of the plumbers. Got rid of the plumbers. Got someone else who did have an enterprise agreement, and they were slammed. Both of them. They were slammed. Absolutely. Slammed. I really like this really case. Really big penalties. I really like this case because what it does is it shows. Um, that anti-competitive behaviour can still be prosecuted. Absolutely. And if you, and it, there are true and real possibilities, no matter how big you are, mm. you can still get... Look, I'm not sure that the, the figures are a punch in the face or a mm -hmm. slap on the wrist. I can't... I mean, I, I'm not... It's hard to tell. Yeah, I'm not involved. This is all after-profits money, mm. and I'm not sure how much it's going to hurt them in reality. But, yeah, this is a really interesting case. Mm. So they both got uh, very, very close to maximum penalties. Yes, they did. Um, in fact, the wasn't the Triple C asking for maximum penalties in the case itself? Yeah, so the CFMEU got... Um, they did, in fact, get... A maximum penalty and the reason being there was there was a case earlier this year which basically said if you've been bad in the past if you have a history of breaches then a maximum penalty can apply irrespective of how serious the I'm kind of laughing because wasn't that a CFMMU case it as well? It was indeed. It was indeed. So the CFMMU have been slammed twice this year yes. from the courts in terms of penalties for their bad behaviour. And if you want, I suppose if you want to, um, if you do want to have a bit of an idea about how much of a slap on the wrist this was, um, so they would find $750,000. And Hutchies was 600000 And I'm not too sure about Hutchies, but um, for the CFMEU, they noted that the particular branch that this was attached to being the... Oh, that's the, right, because the they've got some branch, areas. Um, ...has net assets of about $2.4 million. Um, so a $750,000... Makes about 40%. It's not a small amount of... It's not a small fine. But what I found really interesting about this case... Net assets of $2.5 For that branch. For that branch. Yeah. What are people paying subscribing fees? Because if they're able to, I'm just, I'm just saying, if they're able to litigate to this extent as often as they do, 
I feel like we're undercharging. That's <laughs> 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 <Yes>, all. <laughs> and now, the CFMEU's involvement in this is. We know this goes on. We know this. Well, that's happens right. On I mean, this sites. this has just got to be a conversation that happened. That is fine. This has got to be one of a hundred conversations, right? Mm. But what I really like about this case is that they went after Hutchies for it. They did. And because Hutchies judge, could have said no. Exactly, and I'm going to quote here. Yeah. Said when we're thinking about specific deterrence, to turn Hutchies mm. Mm. to do this again. Uh, sorry, to not do this again. Said their conduct fell squarely within the mischief Mischief. to which the act is directed, being it's it's capitulated to threatened industrial action to avoid personal loss or damage at the expense of third party suppliers. The builder regarded the avoidance of industrial disruption as being more important than the cost of compliance, which goes at the very heart of why we have penalties because it was actually cheaper in their mind they knew that what they were doing was wrong Mm. they knew exactly that it was in breach of a number of different sections um, of various acts but they didn't want the they didn't want the fight they didn't want the loss and they kind of rolled over and it sends a very good message to i think a lot of a lot of organizations out there that you know what you can't be in cahoots yeah i really like this one as well because the plumber had nothing to do with this all they were doing was running a business and they just happened to be free of union involvement. Well, really. Yeah, involvement or you might want to say coercion if you if you read this case with a different set of lenses. Yeah. You know, all they were doing is running their business, getting on with it, and they didn't they just didn't have a unionized organization. Mm. And what the CFMMEU were doing was essentially going out there forcing people to join unions in order to be able to go on site mm. and this poor guy had employees mm. i mean this this is not one guy doing yeah, this something. is actually quite a large it's organization. an organization themselves that relied on work and now this and it's almost it's almost a statement out there for others who are like this plumbing company to have to get the unions involved more and more often and this is just a subscription drive in mm. many ways for the unions and we hear it you know time and time again from from clients who, who sort of say to us um you know do you really want an, an enterprise agreement um and they kind of say not really mm. we don't we don't feel as though we have a choice yeah and this is exactly what yeah. this case is starting to mm. to get at which yeah. is i mean they do have a choice and they should be afforded that choice and they shouldn't feel the detrimental effect where frankly there is no lawful way of stopping that what's really sad though in this case is it's not the plumber who got those penalties you know it would have been well you know the ACCC did the fight it wouldn't have been the plumber that received the penalties mm. on that. i'm not too sure whether there is a and it wasn't his their argument they didn't create this argument mm. so they didn't they didn't go in guns blazing and say you know because they probably didn't feel empowered to be able to do that no but i mean whether they have haven't yet or where they have already, I dare say there is a second. Yeah, there's going to be a second case involved in this, which might be a breach of contract from that plumber. It's going to be easy to win. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of start waving around this thing that said the reason you terminated the contract was because 
of some actually unlawful stuff. Yeah, this is, that's a really interesting case actually with the penalisation of Hutchies. Um, I wonder if any lessons get learnt on these because if we can, if we say this is the second time the union's done it this year, that could be because they were both in the mix at the same time and this, the other one was heard earlier than this one and that's just how it went. Or we could say that neither it, they just didn't learn their lesson the first time around, did it the second time. So I'd be interested to see how this plays out in the future, mm. especially with our Labour government because Albanese is an ex-union boss mm. um, and I think there is a lot of sympathy out there for the unions with our government at the moment. So I wonder how this is going to play out in the new climate we've got as mm. well. In the, in the way that it's... It's almost, it's almost uh, kind of in complete combat with, with the tide. Yeah, I mean, well, yes and no. I mean, we've, we've got a lot of changes happening at the moment in employment. We know that the Albanese government wants to sort out enterprise agreements and we're calling this collective bargaining. And mm. I've used the term, you know... Um, uh, um, sympathetic. Sympathetic, um, yeah, the right. sympathetic striking is a collaborative industrial activity. Um, situation um, but I wonder whether just like with the um, coalition government would change laws in order to affect changes to to affect changes that had happened in the high court about mm. casual workers mm. to stop the unions from being able to affect that change through the court system which is what happened um, it's now going to go the other way. Mm. Isn't, isn't it? Isn't it? I don't know how it's going to play. They out. might do, but isn't it ironic that um, you know when we're thinking about penalties um, and the idea of, of trying to—I mean, they're there to try and deter you know both you doing it again, but others also doing the same. We th we think about employers. Mm. So you, mm. now you'd think that I just suppose isn't it ironic that the one who's really hurting out of all of that is not employers. It's not Woolworths. It's not no. the BHPs of the world. You know, these really big employers in Australia. It's the big unions yeah. who are really feeling the pinch of repeated offending in a situation where, I mean, we earlier this year, we, I mean, um, I'm not sure whether it was that case or the, or the one before it. Um, it was, it was one contravention and I know it was only for $66,000. It was a fairly minor um, contravention, I believe, by the CFMU, but they got the maximum out. And it says to me that the courts basically for the CFMU and... I think they've for lost a lot their of, appetite. They've lost, they're just gonna, lost, they're just gonna, it's yeah. just going to become a modus operandi. They've, where, they've lost their sense of humour. They, they want it to stop. They want, the, they want these guys to be, who are repeat offenders in mm. the courts, you know, to stop it. If you, if you breach it, it's going to be the maximum amount. You can expect that amount to be what? Yeah. Well, the next case, though, anyway. is... I thought it'd be good to kind of contrast the two sure. situations. We've got a union and an employer who's been very naughty in that case. But this one's slightly different. Mm. Um, again, CFMU. Okay. And again, we're in constructions. We're in Sydney, though. We're in a... Uh, luxury apartment construction okay. near the opera house <laughs> and this involves a situation where on three occasions a union permitted license holder so for everyone out there um, the union has uh, permitted license holders and they have to go through a sort of 
vetting situation by by the commission and once they get this this card they can go on to sites in order to, and then in this case it was for safety concerns yeah and so it's like an overseer you know like a regulator but a union yeah i mean you know space yeah it's it, it's the formalized way of um and we hear and everyone has, has these horror stories about you know the union rep coming onto site that's actually what it is but in a yeah in a formalized, in a formalized um, you know standardized space they, mm. they make an application they've got their ticket to, to do that it goes through the process and then they're allowed on site yeah um, and and there are some tests like they're not allowed to just come onto site as a matter of course no they do need to have a reason yeah now there's a bit of a story to this one mm. because on the first occasion this uh, union comes on to he tries to go on so he gets an email about some still water that was sitting in this um, this site mm -hmm. he, he turns up in the morning and he gets confronted at the front gate and says no no you're not yeah you haven't gone through the proper process no, you can't just walk in now uh, he then proceeds to, to explain and, and show the email that the complaint he had received from an a worker on site as to what the safety concern was and interestingly uh in the case in all the safety concerns it was it was later conceded all the safety concerns were were actually legitimate and reasonable mm -hmm. um but the foreman if you want to call it that uh wasn't having a bar of it yeah you know, I don't having, care. I don't, I don't care, care what you've got, dude. You're not coming on site. And the explanation he, he basically says he's not coming on site. The explanation he later gives is that he thought that the union rep was on a quote fishing expedition. Okay. He's there to dig up some dirt. Okay. And reasonable belief. Reasonable belief. Uh, the commission, uh, the federal court didn't, didn't appreciate it at all. They said there was absolutely nothing to suggest that there was any fishing expedition to be had. Um, and after a time, to be fair, he just gives up right. at the front gate. So he's only delayed by about four hours and he allows the first one. <laughs> okay. That's the minor, that's the beginning. Okay. So that's okay. the end of May. Right. Middle of June. A, now remember we're June, 2020. Okay. We are, what are we in, in COVID terms, three months in mm. roughly. Um, and how do I say this? Everyone's a little bit heated. Everyone's a little bit scared. Everyone, especially, you know, employees. And one of their major subcontractors uh, goes bust. Mm -hmm. And um, they're locked out of the site, naturally. Okay. Um, them and all their workers. And the CFMU doesn't like this at all. Gosh. Um, they said that they, they were requesting for the company to not put in a new subcontractor until such time as these employees are paid their entitlements and how is it the fault of the of the head contractor to pay entitlements of the subbies entire entirely what the company says and says we don't care and i'm, I'm going to go as far as to say that most service agreements or contracting agreements say you're in charge of your own employees dude that's a matter for you yeah and that's exactly what happened and they got a new contractor in and in there starts the, the protest. Oh, and this goes on for about a month in the end. <laughs> okay. Um, 
where the former employees, oh, well, sorry, I should say, the current employees of the former subcontractor yeah. are out the front, they're picketing all the time, <laughs> they at one stage refused to allow um, any trucks to yeah. come on, they were holding, yeah. linking arms to stop yeah. them. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's not really explaining the case why they feel as though that company should be the one paying them. I was going to say, the entitlement really, is off the kazam, but sure. When really, it's actually it's got nothing to do with it. Yeah, that poor chap, yeah. Who should be, they should be picketing against. Nevertheless, um, the, uh, in order to avoid the conflict between, because what ends up happening is these protests are at the front of the, the site. These new employees are coming from this other company, mm -hmm. Fopless. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're getting into a few scuffles oh, at the yes, front of, of the site. Of course they are. So to avoid this, the head, the company then allows them to use a back entrance. Unfortunately, that's a egress. So you've got an ingress, egress problem. Yeah, okay. Okay. So the, I suppose a key piece of detail is during this protesting, there is also CFMU union reps that are involved. Yeah. Um, and... A safety concern happens about the egress ingress problem, and the same union rep that was there three months earlier, three you know, a month earlier, who it should be said was not involved, not not knowingly involved with what was going on. The, the malarkey yeah, around the protesting, the uh, and he comes to the front gate. Uh -huh. Same, pretty much the exact same situation happens, and the foreman again says, "No, it's off. Yeah, no, nah, no." Nah. And and they, I assume there was some expletives that were never mentioned um and tells them piss off you're not coming in this is all about this protest doesn't allow it yeah goes away go away next day same thing happens mm, so okay. there's a third breach yeah and for everyone so they were found to breach the ferro act you're not allowed to um stop a permitted card holder to enter a site where there is reasonable grounds the reasonable grounds were there but the reason i find this case interesting is it really shows what happens when reasonable people because i think everyone involved fairly reasonable what happens when you're in the industrial dispute and when this is what happens when you've got a lot of industrial dis kind of conflict happening all at once you lose the wood from the trees because in hindsight, they all agreed that actually the safety concerns were legitimate and yeah. you know, the clarity of mind, you know, well, they should have really... I think if we're going to talk about... Okay, let's set aside the first one where the guy just says, no, I'm not letting you on That's side. distrust. That's that was just, actually just distrust yeah, between yeah. the and, two. And you can see that, you know, based on the previous case, why that might exist. Yeah. Um, but I think the, I think the problem... The, Blame should be laid squarely on the lap of the instigator of the um, protest. Because mm. someone wrapped these guys up. Mm. These guys were getting in their cars, driving there every day mm. to get up to mischief. Someone was enabling that and encouraging it. Uh, look, obviously we can't say who that was, but you can imagine that this person who was letting this cardholder on or off site is of the view that it was the union who was doing that. Mm. And the reason why all this is happening to begin with was their fault. And if they had just calmed everyone down and told them all to go home, this problem wouldn't be existing. Whether that's true or not, obviously we don't know that in the evidence. Um, 
but that was probably in the mind of the chap at the time who wasn't leading him in. Him yeah. in. And to be honest, if the union had behaved better in the past, in multiple situations, there would be more goodwill there to go, oh, okay, I can accept it's probably not you guys. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's CFMU is a very large organisation, I understand. You know, I can separate my conflict with what's going on with this protest at the front to actually, um, and there were some other safety concerns as well, but basically yeah. things that, things that should actually just really be addressed in an ordinary course. But this is why, this is, this is why organisations should behave better on mm. a day to day basis, because the reason why this cardholder was going on site was the safety concerns. If they had behaved better consistently over the past years, there wouldn't have been any question of allowing that person on site. Mm. And the safety concerns would, would have been dealt with more effectively and efficiently. Um, I, I mean, yes, okay, we can lay blame on lots of people, but there is a inherent distrust. And I think our previous case shows mm. um, why. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, that particular you know, forming in, in question, um, yeah, absolutely. There was, you know, they were, they were probably dealing with that. There was some evidence that they've been in the thing for quite a long time. They've seen it all happen before and they just simply lost the, the woods from the tree. Yeah. You, know, you, just, you, you can't, you can't separate that conflict. guy. Yeah. From the conflict that's happening. Mm. And this guy might be straight up and down or mm. well, he might not be, but that's irrelevant to the reasons why he wasn't led on site to begin with. Mm. He hadn't expressed any distasteful activity to date. It wasn't his fault. The protests weren't happening, mm. but he was the guy of the hour. Both of those are fascinating. Mm. Both and of those are fascinating. I think in many ways, Without, without being too dramatic, I think it's a bit of a window into potentially what the coming years. So, you know, some of the issues which might be a bit more prevalent um, moving forward, because you can only imagine the more time that union organisations and especially, you know, some of the more kind of aggressive kind of employers, the more time they're going to have to be forced to spend time with, together the more situations going to get like this where actually this was almost like a second to disaster situation. Yeah, you can watch this. Yeah, this is a this is a slow train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this slow train wreck's been going for years probably. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think it'll just be more wrecks happening a little bit more quicker in time yeah. and there's going to be a lot more issues I think. And, and I think the courts are facilitating that in many ways by allowing these high um, penalties to be awarded, making it more profitable and advantageous for for employers to be taking these unions to court mm. because they can see, a, uh, from their perspective, a light at the end of that tunnel. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's everything that I certainly had Thank for today. Much. And I think that's us for the week. It is. Um, Thank you for watching the Lawcast, everyone. Um, if you have anything to say on this, please put it on yeah, send us something <laughs> get in touch with us if it. you've been in similar situation yeah fascinating that, to hear well uh see you next time see you later guys